0: Let us open the precious Word of God to the second chapter of Romans, and take up at verse 25, where we left off earlier this day. Romans 2, verses 25 through 29. Paul has identified Jews in verse 17 as the object of this portion of the epistle, He has dealt with their false confidence in the Word of God, down through verse 24, because while they had it, exalted it, they didn't keep it and obey it. But now he takes up their false hope in circumcision at verse 25, and I read to you through the end of the chapter. For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision Dost transgress the law. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. Amen Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. For your word, circumcision was an important rite in the Jews religion if you read Genesis 17 last night you were reminded of the event in Abraham's life in the 17th chapter when he was told that circumcision of all the males in his family household including his servants was to be a sign of the covenant that God had with Abraham and his seed and that covenant maintained until the New Testament came and replaced the Old Testament And then Paul would make a choice about circumcision of those that were traveling with him, whether it would help their ministry or not. So in Acts chapter 16, when he finds Timothy, he circumcises Timothy to give him a broader audience by preaching to Jews. But when an issue is made of circumcision with Titus, he refuses to circumcise Titus because he was not going to compromise the religion of Jesus Christ for skeptics, scorners, and false teachers. Though he would modify it, because who cares if you have foreskin or not, when it comes to preaching the gospel. So the Apostle Paul made that distinction, but it was an important right? When the Jews made their way out of Egypt into the land of Canaan, we have preached this before to you about the national day of circumcision they had, where Joshua had to circumcise all the men because they hadn't been circumcised in a long time. The whole nation had to wait for several days until they could all heal, and then they proceeded forward into Canaan to take the city of Jericho. It was an important event. The Jews looked at that rite, that ceremony, that minor surgery, that distinguished them from all other nations, and it did distinguish them. This case was so severe that during the Greek games of the time around the Apostle Paul... The Jews invented a surgery in which they would have a foreskin or skin sewn back onto their male member so that when they performed in the nude at these stupid games, they wouldn't look different than the Greeks. Now, isn't that amazing? We have men taking pride in their circumcision, but then when they want to pretend to look like a Greek, they want to get rid of their circumcision. You can read about it in history. The Greek games were performed in the nude. The Greeks have never been Christians. The only Christians that ever came out of Greece, they're listed in the New Testament. They're such exceptions to the rule. The Greeks worshiped wisdom and they worshiped the human body. They worshiped what's going on up there in Canada right now. The Olympics. All in the name of the Tower of Babel for world peace and world cooperation. But let's get back to circumcision. Verse 25, circumcision verily. It is true, Paul said. It is true. Just like he's going to say in chapter 3, much every way there's an advantage to being a Jew in the Old Testament. Circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. This is an amazing sentence, verse 25. Think about it this way with me. Here is Paul's concession to give the Jews something they wanted to hear. Circumcision is profitable. Here's Paul's limitation. Circumcision is only profitable if you keep the law. Here's Paul's distinction that's coming up, that the only circumcision that matters is the one of the heart and the spirit on the inside, not the one on the outside that's done with a little piece of loose skin. Circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. If you're a Jew, you were born into a Jewish family. On the eighth day, you had your foreskin removed, and you became a Jew, and you worshipped in tabernacle or temple worship. You were blessed. And you kept the law. If If you had the right family, and you had that ceremony performed to you, and then you kept God's commandments, you had the most that a man could ever have on earth. You were part of God's chosen people your parents had taken you to the right that mattered at the age of eight days of age, eight days old, and you're keeping the commandments, it it was verily profitable. You were part of a great nation on earth, and God was going to bless you as an individual in that nation. But, if you're born to the right parents, and on the eighth day you have your foreskin removed, but then you don't keep the law of God, you're just as good as a pagan. You're no different than the heathen. Because you're not keeping what's more important to God, and that's His commandments from the inside out, rather than thinking that the outside in is going to make you a different person or bring God's favor upon you. Circumcision verily profiteth. I'll grant it. If you keep the law, I'll limit it. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. You're just like these Gentiles you despise if you don't keep the commandments. Because the real issue is the heart. The real issue is your actions. The real issue is your character and your conduct, not what is done to you externally. And surely we can, ab- we can begin immediately to make applications to our own religion. It is not that you're baptized. It's not that you're a church member. It's not that you have the Word of God. It's not that you pray at home. Do you keep God's commandments that govern every part of your life? And His commandments are not grievous. And when I speak of them, they shouldn't cause us to grieve. They're blessings. There's blessings in this world, and there's blessings in the next world for keeping the commandments of God. Let's go to verse 26. There could be more said on these verses, but the point is simple enough. The Apostle Paul has to cut off Jewish confidence that thinks they are saved by things from Moses' religion. Moses' religion gave them the Bible, the Old Testament. They thought they were saved because they had the Bible, because they heard the Bible, because they wore the Bible, because they kissed the Bible, because they learned, memorized, quoted, taught, and preached the Bible. But the only benefit in the Bible is doing the Bible. And so we've had down through verse 24 that if you don't do the Bible then the Bible doesn't help you at all. And so the Jews were in need of a Savior as much as the Gentiles because they had sinned in their arrogant presumption that having the Bible was enough when in fact they needed to be obeying the Bible. Now we come to circumcision. They put their trust in circumcision and poor Paul has to spend so much of his life fighting circumcision. Outpatient surgery. You're kidding me. These people fought that outpatient surgery, a minor surgical operation, was going to get them to heaven. If you read Acts 15 last night, you know that the great church council at Jerusalem was made on this issue. If you've ever read the epistle to the Galatians, you know that Paul had to deal with circumcision at length. They thought because at eight days of age, something had happened to them, they were going to go to heaven when they died. How many? Think that because of something that happened to them at eight days, with a little bit of water on their forehead, in a thumb, with a thumb of a priest in the form of a cross, they're going to make it to heaven. Right. When we preach, we don't preach against Jewish legalists because we don't run into very many. But we preach we preach against Roman Catholicism, and we preach against our own church and our own false confidence in the doctrine of our own church because that's not what saves us. Amen. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Verse 26, therefore. Now, therefore is in verse 26, and it's a little unusual to have it there, but Paul has made a point in verse 25 that he's going to keep working off of. And the point is that if you don't keep the law, circumcision is of no value. And in fact, if you break the law, you're not circumcised, though you are circumcised. You're not really circumcised, though you are literally circumcised you're not spiritually circumcised though you are literally spiritualized uh, circumcised externally circumcised but you're not internally so therefore he draws this con- he draws this conclusion and sets forth this argument to the jews he is not trying to teach you anything about the gentiles right. notice the ifs you can make this as hypothetical as you want It's an if in verse 26. It is an if in verse 27. When Paul wants to teach us something about the Gentiles, he doesn't use if. He uses when. Look at verse 14. For when the Gentiles. He doesn't say for if the Gentiles. Because he's not drawing a hypothetical and he's not teaching about the Jews. He's teaching about the Gentiles in verses 14 and 15. So he makes a declaration about them. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. Paul gave those two verses as a declaration of fact about Gentiles. But when he comes down here to 26 and 27, notice that it is an if. Now, I'll give you plenty to fill in the if, but filling in the if is not the lesson. The lesson is, Jews, if you don't keep the law, your circumcision doesn't count. In fact, if you break the law, you're uncircumcised. In fact, let's take it a step further with the therefore, if a Gentile keeps the law, in whatever way you want to describe keeping the law, that you're not keeping it, he's considered circumcised in the sight of God, and you're not. That's all he's saying. The Gentiles that you so despise are better than you when they keep the law, but you break it though you might be circumcised externally. That's all he's saying. He's got the chainsaw out and he's cutting off the legs of the Jews who are standing on having the Bible and being circumcised. It doesn't do you a bit of good. Even Gentiles, if they keep the righteousness of the law in whatever way... I'll give you, I'll give you an examples in just a moment. In whatever way they might keep it, They become circumcised and you become uncircumcised. Because it's what's done on the inside that counts. It's character and conduct. It's not because you had a little minor operation when you were eight days old. Verse 26, Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, all boys are born this way, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. You Jews take confidence in your Bible and in your circumcised foreskin. But if a Gentile comes along who didn't have the privilege of the Bible, who didn't have his foreskin cut off, but he keeps the law, he judges and condemns you as in need of a savior more than himself. It it turns your circumcision into uncircumcision. That's what he's saying. The Gentiles can condemn and judge you because if they fulfill the law, though they are not circumcised, it's better than you being circumcised and having the Bible, but not keeping the law of God, not obeying it. Let me give you some examples. Just very quickly. You say, well, what about these Gentiles in verses 26 and 27? You're missing the lesson. And it's amazing, anybody who wants to miss the lesson in 26 and 27, you're a fatalist. Because what you're doing is you're trying to look for some excuse to get Gentiles into heaven outside of what God describes about them. There's only one way into heaven by Jesus Christ, and there's only one way to know that Jesus Christ is yours, and it's by obedience. And when you go into passages and try to find some other explanation for getting into heaven... You're missing the whole lesson, especially right here. This lesson isn't about regeneration. There's no vital work in here. It's all assumed because it's not part of the lesson. Why would Paul want to bring it in? Because fatalists would go running after it because they've gone running after these verses even though there wasn't anything there. We have too often referred to Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29 as almost proof texts about Regeneration. These verses 28 and 29 are the two verses most quoted by us over the last 25 years out of Romans chapter 2. But there isn't any regeneration in them. There isn't any regeneration in 26 and 27. There isn't any regeneration in 25. We're talking about circumcision. And there's two kinds of circumcision. The external kind that doesn't matter and the internal kind that matters greatly. And the internal kind is done by you. And the only way you'll ever do it is if God has first regenerated you. But that's the circumcision that counts. It's talking about doing the works of the law. If the uncircumcised do the works of the law, it doesn't say if the uncircumcised are overwhelmed by the sovereign grace of God. It, it, that isn't the point. That isn't the lesson. It's what, does an, what can an uncircumcised man do and what can a circumcised man do. It's, it's needed from both of them in order to please God. Because the external ritual or the external rite of circumcision doesn't matter. That isn't the issue. That isn't saving issue. The saving evidence is of a man who circumcises his heart on the inside. Right. There, verses 26 and 27 are drawing this hypothetical with the Jews. Since I taught you in verse 25 that circumcision is valuable if you keep the law. So the whole value is in keeping the law, because if you break the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, we can draw a conclusion from that. Since you're circumcised, but you become uncircumcised in the sight of God by breaking the law, then those who are not circumcised, if they keep the law, they end up being God's true circumcision. And no wonder the Bible says, we are the circumcision. Galatians 6.15, we are the circumcision, Philippians 3.3, 3, because it's Gentiles that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and keep His commandments and have no confidence in the flesh. Do you know what the confidence of a Jew was? That when he pulled his pants down, there was something missing. You say it's not that simple and ridiculous. It absolutely is. Do you know what Paul would call them in Philippians chapter 3? By the Holy Spirit. Some of you, if you're ever wondering, does he ever preach by the Holy Spirit? Well, read the Bible and see what they preach like. Read Micah 3, 8-11. Right. What does Paul call the Jews in Philippians chapter 3? The concision. What does that mean? Circumcision, I can understand, because circum is a circle, and you better make it all the way around 360 degrees, or it ain't coming off, or it's coming off painfully. That's, oh, forgive me. Scission means to cut. Circum in a circle. And if you don't get all the way around, it's not coming off that circumcision. But Paul calls them concision. Do you know what? That's a term like nahushton. Concision is body mutilators. They just like mutilating themselves in a place that you don't like to mutilate. That's what Paul called them by the Holy Spirit. Amen. You don't like that kind of preaching? Then find me a better explanation for, for Philippians chapter 3, the first six verses. As Paul takes apart his entire Jewish heritage, including circumcision, by telling Gentiles, we, you Gentiles and me, we are the circumcision, because we have no confidence of what it looks like when we drop our trousers in a mirror. They are the concision. They are dogs those Jewish legalists. That's what he called them. Okay, you're wondering, okay, I understand, I see the if. I see the if in verse 26. I see the if in verse 27. I notice the when in verse 14. I can see that Paul is making a rule in verses 14 and 15 and giving us wisdom about the Gentiles. I see in 26 and 27, he's just raising a hypothetical because he's still dealing with the Jews That if a Gentile who's not circumcised by nature and who is born with a foreskin, if he obeys God, then it's just as good as if he was circumcised. And if we Jews who lose our foreskin at eight days of age, but we don't keep the word of God, it's as if we were uncircumcised. I see that. But what do you think about those Gentiles? Well, let me tell you this. First of all, it's hypothetical. Then this. Just follow very, very quickly. First of all, no Jew or Gentile can keep the righteousness of the law. I hope hope we all understand that. No Jew or Gentile is is capable of keeping the law perfectly, so we've got to discard any such sense. Two, Gentiles in verses 14 and 15 have already been shown to keep the law in a certain degree, generally among the nations of the earth. Three, the Jews were well aware of Gentiles like Abel, Seth, Enoch, Noah, and Melchizedek, who were all in heaven without ever being circumcised. Four, The Jews were well aware of good Gentiles in their generation. For instance, did the Jews ever come to Jesus and say, this centurion has a sick servant and we would like you to heal him because this is a good man and he's done a lot for our nation and he loves our nation? Did the Jews ever say that? Were they saying it about an uncircumcised man? Yes, they were. So they knew there were good Gentiles. Were the Jews well aware of... Oh, I skipped one. The Jews were well aware of Gentiles like Rahab, Ruth, and other Gentiles that came in to the nation of Israel. The Jews were well aware of good Gentiles in their nation. When the servants came to Peter's house and asked him to preach to Cornelius, what did they tell Peter about Cornelius? That he was a wicked and terrible man? Okay. They knew that there were Gentiles that were good men. The Jews that Paul was addressing, this is my last... I'm giving you all the possibilities that can stick into the if hypothetical of 26 and 27. The other one is the mixed congregation that was having this epistle read to them. The Jews are sitting there knowing that under their trousers there's no foreskin. And knowing that everywhere else in there there's a foreskin. And so Paul is pointing out to them, these men that you're worshiping with in this church... If they keep the righteousness of the law, whether they're circumcised or not, in the sight of God, they're circumcised by keeping the law because of a principle I laid down in verse 25. And that is, if you keep the law, circumcision is profitable, but if you break the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. Based on that principle, I'm able to draw this conclusion, that a Gentile, when he obeys God, it's as if he were circumcised, and when you disobey God, it's as if you were uncircumcised. Enough said on that. Circumcision and those verses. I hope you're able to understand that. I want to get to verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. What has he been appealing to this entire time? Obedience to the law of God. There is nothing, not even a hint, of God's sovereignty in regeneration in this context. It would serve absolutely no purpose right here. This is circumcising your heart. Because it is the inward man that counts with God, not the outward man. It is not that little minor surgery on the outside that had, that pleased God. It was the major surgery on the inside where you circumcised your heart. And trust me, when you circumcise your heart, that's major surgery. When you cut something off your heart, that's major surgery. And it was so in the Word of God and it's the surgery that counts. He is, you Jews, behold, thou art called a Jew. You are not a Jew if your circumcision is just outward. If all you've got is the name, the Bible, and circumcision, you are not a Jew. It is not circumcision which is outward in your flesh. If you can see it in a mirror, it's not circumcision. He is a Jew. The real Jews, Paul, Jew to Jews. Behold, listen to me, let me have your attention, you Jews, he is a true Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. It's not that at eight days of age we have something cut off the outside, it's that in our lives we have cut off and every day we cut off things of our hearts so that we circumcise our hearts to please God. Circumcision is that of the heart. It's a choice that we make. It's a choice that Gentiles can make, the uncircumcision of 26 and 27. It's a choice that Jews can make of verse 25. The external right doesn't matter. It's what they've done with their heart. That is the context. That is the lesson. We go to the text and we end up being fatalists. We quote Romans 2, 28 and 29. yoo I'm regenerate. I'm a true Jew we end up in the same heresy that the chapter is dealing against. That is heresy. Prove to me that you're born again. You have no evidence that you're born again. You are claiming something that you have no right to claim. Circumcise your heart and change your life. Then we'll know that you're a true Jew. The true Jews have no confidence in the flesh, and neither do the true Jews have all their confidence in the sovereignty of God. True Jews have their confidence by circumcising their hearts, amending their ways, and executing righteousness. Then they know that they're gods. Then they have praise of God. We've got to get to that in just a... Deuteronomy 10. How do we cut to the chase quickly? Deuteronomy 10. He is not a Jew. Which is just one outwardly. Listen, if we turn everything in the Bible to to the eternal phase of salvation, or the legal phase of salvation, or the vital phase of salvation, or the combination of the three, we end up being fatalists. And it's not I'm just fighting this windmill over here. We're just going by the context. Paul isn't trying to tell anybody about vital salvation. He's trying to tell them about practical salvation. You Jews claim to have the Bible, why don't you practice it? you Jews claim to worship circumcision, then why don't you practice it the way Moses taught it? Because the real circumcision is inside. Can I prove it from the Old Testament? What did God value the highest in the Old Testament? External circumcision or internal? He's always always internal. That's why we shouldn't have any problem figuring out what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 10, verse 12. And now Israel. Love these words. I love summaries. When the Bible gives a short little summary of how we should be living. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. That's what the Lord requires of thee. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. To fear the Lord thy God. To love the Lord thy God. To know that God hath chosen you. And therefore, I'm, because of that, to circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Taught in the Old Testament. These Jews, they get excited about the brass serpent. Nahushton. They get excited about the Ark of the Covenant. They lose it in battle. They get excited about the temple of the Lord. And the Lord raised that temple. They get excited about circumcision. But if they had read their own scriptures, their own scriptures taught them that they were to circumcise their own hearts. This is why I'm not a fatalist in Romans 2:28 and 29. It is circumcision that they were to do. The whole point of Romans chapter 2 is you don't keep the law. If you really wanted to be a Jew then you need to keep the law and and circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Look at Jeremiah 4.4. Jeremiah 4.4. The Bible says every word should be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That is particularly and directly applied to testimonies of witnesses against a criminal. However, when we use the Word of God, it's a nice principle to follow that we look for another witness so that we don't come up with some cockeyed doctrine because we only found it in one verse like a certain church that is headquartered out in Salt Lake City Utah does with 1st Corinthians 15:29 if they had just limited themselves to that one little rule of looking for a proof of a doctrine in two witnesses they'd be dead in the water but baptism for the dead is their pet little hobby out of 1st Corinthians 15:29 and there I go again criticizing someone else so I better go home today and make sure I love my one wife if I'm going to criticize those who pretend to love five right Okay, Jeremiah 4.4, 4. let's get verse 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn, that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Obviously, we have two circumcisions. Here, one, you know what, and I'm not even referring to the one that Christ did in the cross, Colossians chapter 2, nor to regeneration if we could ever call it circumcision. There's two circumcisions in Romans chapter 2, external in the flesh, internal in the heart. The whole problem with the Jews is they're putting all their confidence in the external one and forgetting the internal one. And it was already taught in their own scriptures, let alone Paul just brings it to bear again in verses 28 and 29. Right. You're trusting in your Jewishness. There's only one Jewishness that you can rest in. And that is if you have circumcised your heart. That's a true Jew who has the praise of God. You put your confidence in that external circumcision. It means nothing to God. A Gentile can have, can have, can beat you quickly by keeping the law of God. I hope I've made myself clear enough. Let's go to the second half of verse 29. This is not difficult. I hope you can read each of those phrases and know what it's talking about. He is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Just because he has the right birth certificate and the right name, and he's called a Jew, that doesn't make him a Jew in the sight of God. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. That's something you see in the mirror when your pants are down. Verse 29, he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. Can't see that in the mirror. Except in the mirror of God's Word does my life match up with God's Word. And circumcision is that of the heart. I just read it to you in two places from the Old Testament, which has to do with keeping the laws. Did did he define circumcision in Deuteronomy 10 as keeping the laws of God? Isn't that the subject all the way through here? The doer of the law shall be made circumcision. But if you break the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. Is that all there? I'm working as hard as I can because of the emphasis. How, How old is this church now altogether? This church is uh, 30 years old in just a few months. And there's been too much emphasis at times. Sometimes I've been the guilty party, but not always, of being eternal, legal, and vital phase of salvation, fatalists. When we have a passage like this that is talking about our responsibility before God, we don't want to become fatalists and hide behind anything. We want to realize the circumcision of the heart is something that we want to do. Right now, sitting in our pews and standing in this pulpit, and that we want to do the rest of this day, we want to cut off any foreskin of our heart that raises itself up against Almighty God and will not keep His commandments. We want to amend our ways and thoroughly follow Him in everything that He has taught us in His scriptures. That is a true Jew. If we do not teach that, especially in this context, then we're going to end up with being faithless because you're going to say you're born again, I'm going to say I'm born again. We can both clap hands, punch each other, Punch the sky, we're on our way to heaven. That isn't there. Not one bit of it. What do you need to cut out of your life? What do you need to cut off from your heart? Where is your heart welling up in disobedience against God? Circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit. When we in our spirit say, I've been wrong in the way I'm conducting myself in my marriage. I've been wrong in the way that I... Don't control my tongue. I, I say things I shouldn't say. I'm not, go, I'm not managing my finances the way I should. I owe people money and I haven't repaid them. I owe God and I haven't paid Him. I'm robbing God according to the Bible. There's, all, there's these commandments. that We need to examine our hearts and say, I need to cut that off of my heart. I've been rebellious in that matter. Okay, when a man circumcises his heart... It then says about him, a true Jew is not one externally, but one internally. One more thought here. Uh, two, two, but one more before I get to the other one. Have you ever heard the expression, keeping the spirit of the law or the letter of the law? Yes, right. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? 229. 229, what's, what's what's the thought here? It's keeping the law. Was there an external keeping of the law that was called keeping the letter? What was the letter? Eighth day, when your vitamin K levels are the highest, whack off the skin. What's the spirit? Humbling yourself before God and getting your heart in line with God. That was the spirit of the law. When we say the letter of the law, we mean somebody who literally interprets a writing of law and does what is literally described without regard to the intent. When we say the spirit of the law, we mean a person who looks past the writing to find out what the author intended, and he keeps the intent of the law. Sometimes they're both in writing. In this case, they're both in writing, but the Jews just took confidence in the external law of the eighth day stuff, I just showed you Deuteronomy 10 and Jeremiah 4 that showed you the intent was to cut off some foreskin in your heart. Anyway, I, I, whatever it's worth to you. Amen. What does a true Jew do? He wants the intent. What is the intent of circumcision? that I cut off everything from my heart that doesn't love and fear the Almighty God who has done everything for me and chosen me above all peoples of the earth to be His child. I'm going to cut off anything that wars against Him. That was the intent. They kept the letter. So it says, Circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. The praise of God. The praise of God. Is it objective genitive or subjective genitive? There, there's, a per, there's a reason for this lesson. Listen, I never paid attention in school. I wish I could go back about the third grade and start all over again. I have, go, I have to go look up what genitive means. I have to go look up how to spell it. Objective, not quite, but objective genitive. Subjective genitive. When you have a little expression like this, the praise of God, the love of God, the faith of Christ... I, Okay we got we got to work on this a little bit the praise of god is it god praising a man or is it a man praising god don't answer yet just hold on is it god praising a man or a man praising god whose praise is not of god whose praise is not of men but of god we've got the praise of men and we've got the praise of god is it this true jew being praised by men or is it this true jew praising men is it this true Jew being praised by God, or is it this true true Jew praising God? We need to answer that question. What's happened here in this context? Is there something that the true Jew ought to be praising God for? Or in this context, has something happened that God would be praising the true Jew for? What was the problem with the Jews? We're going to answer this two ways. All subjective genitive or objective genitive decisions are made by the context. Right. Always. Because there's nothing in the wording to know. The words the faith of Christ cannot be proven to ever mean that it's Christ's faith. The words the faith of Christ do not prove that it's Christ's faith. I can take you to examples in the Bible that will be so obvious. You'll say, case closed, and close up your Bible. You've got to know by context what's being described. The love of God. In the Bible, is sometimes your love for God. Sometimes it's God's love for you. The love of God. Do we sing a song, the love of God, and we mean God's love for us? Do we sometimes fail in our love of God, in the the love of God, because we don't love God enough? Okay, the praise of Ben right here is very simple, and it's on two counts. First of all, what was the negative problem of the Jews? And second, what was the positive attitude and declaration of Paul about praise and God? It's God praising the true Jew for circumcising his heart. Because the Jews had a problem with what? They sought the honor of men and the praise of men. Jesus had to deal with that all the time. I do not receive honor from men, but you receive honor from men. Therefore, you can't hear me. John chapter 5. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God, whose praise is not of men whose praise is not from men, but the praise is from God. Because a true Jew doesn't care about what the other people think. A true Jew just wants to please God. Does God praise men when they order their lives in agreement with His Word? What do you think? 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Let me read a few to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're almost done. This is the last point. 1 Corinthians 4:5. Paul said, "Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Every man shall have praise of God." 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 10:18. This is why. What, what's the whole point of Romans 1, 2, and 3? That we might have the praise of God and be accepted with God, but there's only one person that can even lay any claim to that, and it's a man who's keeping the law of God and who circumcised his heart. That's what's under discussion. Second Corinthians ten eighteen, Paul said, "For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth." 1 Thessalonians chapter two and verse four, Paul's whole life was to be approved of God and to earn the praise of God. First Thessalonians two four. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. We didn't want to please men because we weren't looking for their praise. We wanted to please God because we wanted his praise, and he tries our He, he tries our hearts, which is the circumcision of Romans two, twenty nine. How many more do you want? Second Corinthians chapter five and verse nine. Second Corinthians 5, 9, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we might be accepted of Him. We don't care about men accepting us. We want to be accepted of Him. What is this praise? Whose praise is not of men, but of God. What is this praise? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's the praise of God to a man who was responsible and cut off the foreskin of his heart and obeyed God and kept His commandments as we read in Matthew chapter 25 in the parable of the talents in that place. Do you know what the Bible says that we should be looking forward to in 1 Peter chapter 1, By which is why we should live a faithful life every day? That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What is supposed to be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ? Your faith. That the trial of your faith, the heaviness that we're in through manifold temptations. There's others. Two reasons. One, what was the problem of the Jews? The problem of the Jews was they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Does the Bible tell us that about the Jews? Does it say that? In in John twelve forty three, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. There it is. What's Romans two twenty five through twenty nine? The Jews' trust in circumcision was totally false and would not help them a bit. Circumcision only would profit if they kept the law. Therefore, circumcision is only a value if they keep the law, then the real value is in keeping the law. Paul goes on in verse twenty five to say, If you don't keep the law, then your circumcision is made uncircumcision. If that's true, if verse 25 is true, and of course it is true, Paul gave it, then verses 26 and 27 are also true. A Gentile that is not circumcised, if he keep the righteousness of the law, pick any category of Gentiles you want. None can keep it perfectly, so it's hypothetical in some sense, and it's just to draw an illustration for an argument against the Jews. If a Gentile that is not circumcised keeps the righteousness of the law, then in the sight of God, he's as well as circumcised. Then... You Jews that are trusting so much in being Jews, he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Your birth certificate, your pedigree, your ancestors, your relationship to Abraham, the Bible, and your circumcision on your eighth day is not what matters with God. What matters with God is whether you are keeping his commandments and obeying that law that you have and you're living a circumcised life by circumcising your heart and cutting off the foreskin of your heart that we read in Deuteronomy and Jeremiah. This man... Has the praise of God because he doesn't care about the praise of men, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Because God is praising him, not men. Every time the Jews got someone else to whack off the foreskin, do you know what the Bible says? Do you know what Jesus said about them in Matthew chapter 23? He said, You compass land and sea. They had the most ambitious missionary program in the history of the world in order to make one more proselyte once you've made him a proselyte he is twofold times or 10 i can't twofold more the child of hell than he was before you met him amen that's what the lord thought about external circumcision internal the praise of god paul's whole life brethren i close with philippians chapter 3 and just say these words to you this is so wonderful to have it written to greeks Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, for we are the circumcision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Nothing in the flesh, if you can see it in a mirror, doesn't count with God. It's in the heart. It's in the spirit. We are the circumcision. Paul wrote that to Gentiles. Brethren, we have been saved by the grace of God. We know that. But Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, verse 17 through 29, we just covered 13 verses, cuts off the Jews for trusting in the Bible without obeying it, and for trusting in circumcision on the outside without circumcising their heart. What do we walk out of here with? We claim to have the King James Bible, and we claim to be one of the strong defenders of it in these perilous times of the last days. The issue that counts is are we obeying the King James Bible in all that it says about all parts of our lives. Circumcision, which the Jews trusted in, we don't trust in. But there is a circumcision that we still should believe in. And that's cutting off the foreskin of our hearts to be humble, meek, obedient, willing, and submissive to everything God has taught. If we go out of here and continue to believe that we... Our defenders of the faith in the perilous times of the last days. But our marriages, our children, our finances, and our lives, our thoughts, our speech, do not measure up with this Bible. We are guilty of a crime greater than the Jews in Romans chapter 2 because we have been given greater privilege. It is our practice that counts, not our privilege. It is our religion, pure religion, not our ritual. It is our spirit, not our ceremony. Do you remember James 1 from this morning? Let us be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. If any man among you seem to be religious and he bridleth not his tongue, that man's religion is vain. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father, is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Hate the world. Take care of all those who can't take care of themselves as well. And bridle this thing. May God bless us with those and everything else the Bible teaches that we'll be the true circumcision, the Israel of God, whose praise is not of men. We couldn't care less what they think. But whose praise is of God. We do care that he delights in us. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.